This is Purple Radio On Demand. The Purple Radio Art Show. Today, Jasmine and I are bringing you an interview with Alex Comesh, bassist and vocalist of the band Light Trap Honey. We'll be talking about their creative influences and new single Mannequin, which you can find on Spotify and Apple Music. Okay, so our first question for you, Alex, was how did you, Etienne and Harry, come to form your band Flytrap Honey? So um, I met Etienne on like the third day of um, first term, uh, first year, because he and I both like uh, vice chancellors, art scholars. So we met for the theatre group and it was just like just us two there for theatre and everyone else there was receiving awards for like being amazing at physics and stuff. And they did all of that. And then we rocked up and like theatre. Um, <laughs> and he mentioned he played bass and drums. And uh, Harry, I went to school with Harry and we had a band at school. Um, so and he's at he's uni at Newcastle. So just like, right, should we just keep doing that? But at Etienne. So um, just sent it, dropped him a message and then... It took quite a while, actually, because he was so busy with theatre and, uh, you know, we were all busy with doing first year stuff that we didn't actually play a gig together as a band right until like the end of second term. Um, We played a couple of gigs where I filled in on bass and we had someone else come in on guitar. So we didn't actually play as a full band until halfway, you know, halfway through like the academic year. Um, But yeah, so I've I've known known Hendo for ages, Harry for ages and um, met Etienne like, you know, three days in, it's been us three pretty much ever since you mentioned like a couple of gigs that you've done together as a band like is there one that really sticks out to you as like a favorite or that was particularly memorable for some reason yeah so the two that i'd say were uh, so we, we haven't done that many just because um all the ones we were meant to be doing um got cancelled by the corona yeah. <laughs> um which sucked um but so our, our first gig that we did was right back um like mid michaelmas term and at that point we had a guy called max come in like you know play lead guitar from newcastle um and he was fantastic but he was just he was um like already doing other music stuff and he couldn't really commit all the time to the band um so he came down and we, we played a gig at chab's uh, sorry chad's charity hope ball thing um uh, that etienne actually got us and then couldn't turn up because he had a play the next day <laughs> so he had dress rehearsals um but it was really funny because like i don't know if they knew what we were going to do and we didn't know what they had planned and we rocked up and everyone was in black tie and when we rocked up we were wearing so i was wearing a silk purple bomber jacket the drummer was wearing a leather print leopard print um blazer and leopard print shirt two different leopard prints and the guitarist was wearing like a black silk shirt and we looked like you know we looked like some kind of god awful mix of the 70s and punk and clam and it was you know hilarious and horrendous and everyone was wearing black tie and the people that played before us was a string quartet and the people <laughs> that played after us was a ballet <laughs> and we went on and it was this really posh drinks dinner party kind of thing going on and everyone was stood around the corners like having very grown-up conversations and we came on and jumped straight in with teenage kicks at full blast in there but that was a lot of fun because we had, we had 20 minutes and we did a couple of our own things and a few covers like the vaccines and then we always finished with like johnny be good um because it's just such a good tune and by the end of that everyone was dancing in the middle of the room and we felt kind of happy you know we'd come on and then you know had a good gig and everyone enjoyed it and later a friend of a friend found 
you know, their friends at Chad's had all put us on their Instagram story. And we saw it like, ah, yes, we look really cool. And then I got the words wrong in the video. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. And then we also, um, we played at uh, Collingwood Stag Sessions, which is a really great thing that's been going for a couple of years that um, George Bone from Domans had a lot to do with. It's kind of like a, they get in like five or six artists, they do four songs and they record everything in front of a live audience. And I did one last, you know, at the start of last year, just me and an acoustic and there were maybe 50, 60 people in the room. And it was quite, you know, it was a lot of fun. The recordings were great. And then we did it for the first time as a full band. We had four of us and some people came down from Newcastle and from other colleges and we got on. There were like 150 people just crammed into the Collingwood JCR. And we just nailed it and then ended the gig by accidentally breaking guitar strings. Drummer lost his drumsticks halfway through a song and it was chaos, but it was really fun. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, we were offered a few gigs after that. People had seen us, but then of course, coronavirus kicked in. Um, really sucked but yeah I think those two really fun yeah amazing would you say you talked about what you're wearing to the Chad's charity ball do you think your band has a look in terms of kind of the way you kind of dress and costume it um we haven't really figured out this thing we haven't really had time yet to figure out what we you know how what our look is or what our sound is Mm -hmm. partly because we haven't been able to be in a room together Mm. for you know, properly for like a year when coming out, you know, nine months, whatever it is. Um, we managed to get like a weekend together, like in August, but you know, so it, it's hard to kind of find a, a sound or a, or a look when we're doing everything quite independently. We've just figured for those gigs, we just kind of dress up kind of flamboyantly because that's always more fun when people <laughs> are wearing ridiculous clothes on stage, you know, than someone, you know, the kind of clothes that you could only wear on the street if you were already a famous rock star. So <laughs> dress for the job you want, not the job you have. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's quite funny because like, you know, uh, Harry Drummer will always rock up in his, you know, he's got his chain and his dirty, you know, Nike Air Max or whatever it is. And, you know, long sleeve shirt with a t-shirt over the top, that kind of classic, you know, Newcastle look. And Etienne will rock up in his, you know, um, with his head like really long curly hair like pinned back and his like dark polo neck and <laughs> it's just it's quite you know it's quite an extreme difference but it's really funny we, we've got to figure it out it sounds like it works though <laughs> yeah. it. well it works because like me and hendo aren't particularly classy and then etienne is you know half french well his parents are french so he can speak fluent french and kind of dress all classy and <laughs> that's quite good for a bass player i think bass mm. players are like the cool ones that are standing cool yeah yeah um so you mentioned uh how lockdown and covid has meant that it's kind of been harder to meet up as like a band and um kind of work together so how has that kind of affected your creative process like did you kind of establish one before lockdown or is it just you kind of go with the flow and just piece things together so before lockdown we started playing gigs and stuff um at that point we were still kind of working on like material that i'd written you know in the couple of years before that and it would be the kind of process was the same as the process that me and harry had in our band at school was that i'd write the songs and then bring them to the table with kind of a rough idea of arrangements and stuff um and we had planned on kind of moving away from that into a more of a you know collaborative sort of you know, way of working, but then 
um, we didn't get the time in you know the second term and we didn't get you know the time then because of corona um, which kind of sucks so we kind of then went back again to I would kind of like you know write the songs and the first kind of few we put out I'd write it and then do a rough arrangement of it and then send it over and get the guys to record their parts and send it you know I'll add, add in parts change parts but it's kind of been difficult to do it properly collaboratively um, so like the first the first single we put out actually <clears throat> the first thing we put out had almost actually had no input from the other two um, and the you know, Harry will Harry will tell you that himself because he thinks I mixed it really badly and he's right <clears throat> Um, he's keen to distance himself from the production because <laughs> the production is really terrible. Um, yeah, I like to call it like, you know, like sheep rough, but it's not, it's just, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's, it's, um, it's difficult. Um, and we're, we're trying to do more collaborative stuff, but it's, it's really hard to set up that collaborative process if you didn't have one beforehand, <laughs> like the best way to, to get better as a band and to write as a band is be in the same room and just run ideas past each other. Whereas now it'll have to be, you know, write something, send it over, get some sent back, feedback, talk about it. And it's just not the same as being stood in the room and saying, do you like this riff? You know? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's been like kind of based off of what I can do and I'll, I'll write stuff and I'll record stuff and then send it to the guys and they'll add their bits and then send it back but at the moment it's not as collaborative um talking about kind of your singles continuing on with that kind of topic um do you want to tell us a bit about your newest single mannequin yeah so again mannequin was just me <laughs> although so this was yeah well production wise it's just it's it's um it's really hard to kind of you know to do otherwise um so we, I actually, I wrote it when we were, we were down um, in Sulcombe because Harry had been working in a bar there. So we went and stayed with him for a week, just hung out, you know, as a band. Um, couldn't really do a lot of music because we didn't have the equipment and there wasn't space in my car. But we, so we went down and I kind of just jotted down the ideas um, very quickly, sat in his living room and we messed around with it a little bit there and then kind of put it on ice for a couple of months. And then came back to it during the second lockdown that we had up here in Durham when I was, you know, already up here and found the kind of acoustic demo I'd made and then just came up with kind of a nice, like, twangy guitar riff. And then in the space of a couple of weeks, just put it together production-wise in my bedroom. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, it, it's a weird one because it's that, I, I really like that kind of, like, it's got like, a, like an 80s kind of sound to it, like a bit of new wave um as someone described it which <laughs> hadn't really considered ourselves as before but that's kind of a nice moniker um yeah i guess it was it was kind of i was when i wrote it i guess it was about kind of feeling like um i was just really kind of like lacking drive and purpose and you know stick seven months of being stuck inside when you're 21 is a nightmare we wanted to be out, we wanted to be doing stuff, we wanted to be playing gigs, we wanted to be seeing friends, we wanted to be getting on with our lives. And it just felt like I was, you know, stuck um, and just kind of putting it all on a bit. So that's kind of what it's about. Um, or at least it was when I wrote it. Yeah. So definitely yeah. sort of a song a lot of people can relate to at the moment. 
Yeah, there was uh, there was some a blog just said that this is you know this is the kind of song we want to put on at the moment when you you know get home from a long day of work. It's like putting on a hot bath. Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you know, people people have responded like um, really well. I've had messages from people at, like at uni who I don't know particularly well, but were in Collingwood or or, or at Vernon once before, and they sent me a message being like, "Yeah, never actually listened to your stuff before." Um, thanks. Uh, <laughs> thank you for telling me that. It's like, yeah, but really like this one. I'm gonna go back and listen to the other stuff now. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Okay, that's good. Um, but yeah, so you know, it's it's, it's kind of nice. To, we just wanted to get something out there whilst we're work, trying to work on like the next thing, which is fingers crossed an EP. We've got another single in the works that we've had in the works for about six months. It's just been incredibly hard to work on because it's such a big file. Yeah. Gosh, well, that sounds really exciting. Um, yeah, because me and Jasmine, um, we listened to your stuff as well, and we really liked it. And um, <laughs> I listened to Mannequin like, over the Christmas break. Um, and like, as I was just going about um, like my day, I don't know, kind of the daily routine when you're on lockdown is kind of like the same thing again and again. And I just like heard myself just humming the chorus to it, <laughs> like, just going about my life. Um, so yeah. Um, I heard someone the other day singing the words to it. That was funny. <laughs> like, you know, a mate down, I, I, know, I know a mate down the, that lives two doors down. I walked past his gate and he was... <laughs> yes. What do you think is like the best thing about, or what's been your favourite thing so far about being in Flytrap Honey? Is it kind of when people, well, you know, they're listening to your music and it resonates with them or like performing? I've all, you know, I think performing is what we all agreed was our favorite bit there's there's no rush like it um you know and even you know when you're performing it's it's not just getting up and playing songs it, it, there's a there's a bit of theater to it i think there's you know where you do the singers or I, I like to think that there's you're kind of playing like that slightly amplified version of yourself and you're playing songs that you've written and when you see people like you know I, it's it's really great when people say that they really like a song or they've, they've listened to it a load or they've added to playlists or they've you know or they've, they're humming along to it but when you see people like you know actually like you know dancing to it and like you know like having a good time to it that's a lot of fun because we kind of do it because we enjoy you know playing live um so that's really satisfying um yeah like it's you know we've had to kind of shift our you know prior like our focus away from wanting to play gigs and stuff because that's really fun to just to, to releasing stuff online um but it is really nice when people actually you know take the time to, to send you a message or, or listen because um you know a lot of people like often don't they just you know like because a lot of people release music at the moment it's very easy i think it's fantastic like there's the whole process of, of, of recording and releasing music has become so democratized um you know anyone can do it anyone can have their say and anyone can get famous by putting a song online it just really depends on what people like and what people find and that's amazing but i think sometimes people um if they've seen like three other three of their mates release a song in the space of a week they don't always listen to it um and even though it's you know for them maybe 30 seconds for us it's kind of it's it's worth a lot um so it is it's really nice when people like take the time to send you a message or like you know they may feel like they actually have listened to it so yeah it's yeah it, no, it's, it's been it's, it's been really nice actually you talked a lot obviously about kind of the 
impediments that COVID's put on your kind of creative process and performances and things. Do you have any ideas of what you're gonna or what you want to do in a kind of post-pandemic world? Our first aim is to get back in a, pra- in a practice room and get here. We, we back before um, when we were coming back to Durham for the start of last term, and there was you know gigs were starting to happen again in places like Fabs and Head of Steam, and you could you know sit down ones obviously, which is not the greatest thing in the world, but it's still a gig. Um, we started putting together like a list of covers that we wanted to do and originals that we were going to do. And I think what we want to do first is get in a practice room for a couple of weeks and just, you know, spend a good, you know, good couple of sessions a week honing down like an hour long set. And then there's a couple of venues in Newcastle that we want to play, like nice small ones, a couple in Durham. I think that's, that would be our aim is to just get on a stage as soon as possible. Um, So we're, you know, we're kind of old fashioned like that like you know people nowadays you can you can you know write record and make loads of money and be really famous and never play a gig <laughs> and it can go that way around but for us i think it's you know important that like you we want to be in a band we don't just want to be like you know start at home producing songs we want to be in a band because when you're in a band everyone sparks off each other so for us it's we'd much rather play a lot of gigs and then release an EP like, you know, in a year's time rather than release something and not play any shows. Um, if like Trap Honey could collaborate with any artist or band, um, past or present, um, dead or alive, not to sound like really <laughs> ominous, uh, who would you pick or would you even pick anyone? Would you want to collaborate? Oh, that's so tough. <laughs> like that's seriously tough. Um, so I'd love to do something with someone like Frank Turner, who, oh, he's a, an absolute hero of mine. Like, you know, his lyrics and stuff are fantastic. His songs are fantastic. And his attitude to like, you know, touring and, and you know, live gigs and ticket prices and stuff is amazing. And although I think it would be amazing to, um, you know, to be able to play with someone like, you know, do a, a uh, a song and have someone like Hendrix play lead guitar on it. That would just be the coolest thing. <laughs> oh, I actually before this, I, I spent about thirty-five minutes watching live videos from Hendrix in the seventies and the sixties. It's really, really cool. <laughs> um, I don't you know. I'd also I'd have to ask the rest of the band about that because I'm pretty sure Harry would say McFly because um, he keeps telling me they're the best band in the world in the history of the world ever, and I'm constantly disagreeing with him um, <laughs> because he's wrong. <laughs> Um, I don't know what team I would choose. Yeah, he said he um, uh, saw him last time I was able to see him. Walked into his room and he was listening to, um, which was really cool. <laughs> but he just comes out of, like you know out of the blue left field stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, having Hendrix play lead on a track would probably be that would be up there. Yeah. Oh, see, now I'm gonna spend the rest of the day thinking about this. <laughs> I'm like, like coming down on a list and trying to make, you know, because now I'm really thinking Mark Knopfler. Uh, we'll stay with Hendrix. <laughs> um, yeah, Jasmine, do you have anything else that uh, you want to ask? Or? Um, I guess maybe just with kind of your lyrics and your songwriting, how 
do you find kind of the inspiration for the words? Does it take you a long time to actually write your lyrics as opposed to the music? Um, I mean, I tend to have a similar process for the music and the words, which is I kind of, I'm, I screw around with guitar like a couple of hours a day, try and come up, you know, like either practicing other people's songs and like scales and stuff, or just messing around with ideas and putting bits and bobs together. Um, so it's kind of like, I have ideas and then I mess around with them and then try to like, they become more fully formed. Sometimes they just are like, I like it where it is. Um, it's kind of the same with words. I keep a notebook with me. Like I've got like three or four notebooks that I try and keep with me, um, as often as possible. And then even though I just write down like two or three lines in a day or something, um, I then can go back to them and take a look at them. Um, it really varies. I try and write quite often because I feel like a lot of people will, and I'm guilty of this as well, will sit around and wait, wait until they're inspired, mm. which is fine, but it's a lockdown and it's not that inspiring. <laughs> uh, um, so I, I, you know, I, I try and keep, uh, keep writing and then put stuff together um, as much as possible. Um, sometimes stuff does kind of just come very naturally um, but I think that's also like a pro, like, um, cause I, I, I wrote the first time I wrote, I was like 13 when I started like actually putting some time and effort into it. I'd been to see Frank Turner play at the O2. We'd done, you know, we'd done one of his songs at school for like a singing competition. And I sent it to my dad and he said, I've got you off school next Wednesday. We're going to London to watch him play. And we watched him and he did, he did a song, he did an acoustic version of his song, one of my favourite songs ever. And the entire crowd like, stood there singing it back and it was a beautiful song. And I just went home and started writing. Um, <clears throat> and I think when you're writing as like a teenager, like you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, everything seems really important. You know what I mean? Everything's like the worst thing that's ever happened and everything's the best thing that's ever happened. So it's quite easy to write songs like that because everything's either really sad or really happy or really boring or really exciting. And then you get into a bit of a routine where you, you know, you have a job and it's, you know, like lockdown, if you go to work, you get up, you have to go, you know, exercise, keep healthy, just keep in a sane state of mind. That's, you have to start like, you know, it's not as inspiring. You have to kind of like look for it a bit more. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me, Jasmine. I really appreciate it. It's really interesting uh, hearing you. about you and Vajak Prani. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me. <laughs> Uh, it's Catherine uh, and Libby here um, and today we'll be talking a little bit about Ratatusical, uh, the new TikTok kind of musical that's sort of uh, taken the world by storm. Um, so Libby, can you just give us a brief kind of outline or backstory about this new musical? Yeah, of course. So you may be thinking if you listen to this, what the heck is a TikTok musical and why is it Ratatusical? What is this? So basically, over lockdown loads of people had so much time people had absolutely nothing to do um but everybody had you know the technological world right at their fingertips and that's probably the one singular benefit that we can all pick out of lockdown the fact that we've had technology completely on our side to help us all come together so um ratatouzical is basically ratatouille the musical from the 2007 pixar film ratatouille 
Um, and it basically follows the same story with the same characters, but just music and dance and a whole set creation props and all this has been put to it to create an online COVID safe virtual musical. Um, so the musical premiered on the 1st of January as a live stream, which was available for 72 hours. So sadly, you cannot watch the show anymore, but you can still find all of the clips of the different songs, people's dances and little set designs, even hair and makeup. You can find them all on TikTok, which you can download for free. Um, so that's still a way people can get involved if this does sound like something that you're, um, you're interested in. So in terms of how this all came to be because it seems particularly odd that a group of people just made some songs and suddenly it was a Broadway musical. But um, in August 2020, um, a TikTok user was just making up a little one verse song about Ratatouille um, and the main character after she'd watched the film and she had it stuck in her head. And she just started singing it while she was cleaning her apartment, thought, you know, that's kind of funny. I'm just gonna put it on TikTok as a joke. And like the video didn't gain any attention until October that year. Um, so there's somebody on TikTok called Brittany Borowski, who's reasonably famous. She posted a video dancing to the song, which meant that a lot of people then flocked and um, used it for their own videos, their own dances, sang along to it. It had thousands of views um, and caught the attention of this composer who's called Daniel Mertzloft. He decided to create an entire orchestral score as a joke and said, imagine if this was a musical, you know, this could be the big... Uh, final act finale song where all the audience gets on their feet and everything like this and we have everybody dancing um it then became known as the ode to Remy and got like known everywhere it absolutely blew up and people decided to start making their own mini submissions for the Ratatouille musical so that's basically how it came about and it, it's so strange to think that these people just making these videos managed to do something like this but it was it, frankly quite hilarious but also a testament to the fact that something has actually been achieved in lockdown while all of this horrible situation has been going on yeah definitely because loads of people got involved like literally everyone was talking about it um and there was such like a range of people so like you know people that um like previously had no kind of experience you know kind of doing writing musicals being involved in them and then like professionals um because the, I think the cast in the end that they used um for the one that they kind of um I don't know filmed I guess like it was a pretty stellar cast like you had like some <laughs> some really big names in there yeah exactly it was quite shocking because I just thought when when I heard that they were finally going to put it um put it all together and put it online I genuinely thought they would just use the people who had sang the songs or done the dances on TikTok just to use them to maybe kind of keep some costs down in the first place but no they decided to go full out um and we had some very very famous people to play the main characters so for example Remy was played by Titus Burgess who has featured in many musicals on Broadway like Jersey Boys and has actually been nominated for for Emmy Awards five times. Um, and then the person who plays Linguini was Andrew Barth Feldman, who was made his like Broadway debut um, as the main character in Dear Evan Hansen. He actually was involved in the original TikTok musical. So he was making a lot of the videos himself um, and joining in right when it was kind of at the, the birth of it. So it was kind of, it kind of made sense that he was gonna be put into that role. Um, but there's so many other 
people who were involved who are so famous like Adam Lambert, Wayne Brady, Kevin Chamberlain, Mary Tester, loads of people who are famous on Broadway who all came together to do this because it it hasn't been just a tough time in terms of like financially but for a lot of creative people who use this as their main source of like happiness who use it as their main source of something to do with their days needed something to do and therefore they seem to kind of fill the gap so a lot of people were very keen to do it and uh, luckily as well, they also had some of the original creators from the TikTok videos that they did put in. So JJ Neiman, who's on TikTok, he does a lot of like dancing. Um, he danced as part of the uh, the rap chorus as it became known. Um, and while the um, actors were singing in the middle of the screen, there was him and um, another girl dancing alongside to form like the chorus. And it was very, very well done for the fact that it was simply a musical online with a bunch of people who had filmed independently in their own homes. The way that it came together had kind of a very true feeling of a musical, despite the fact you're not actually at a theatre watching one. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I think, um, like the dancers that I saw, I think the two people that you mentioned, um, they do, I don't know what like the actual technical term is, but where there's like multiple kind of versions of them on the screen in like little squares. Yeah, yeah. Um, which kind of made so much sense. I remember when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's so clever. Like, yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah. It just kind um, of gave it a proper feel that it wasn't just, you know, one person. They used the filter to make it feel a bit more real. Um, and I, I just think there's so many aspects of this musical where they have done that to try and make it feel as real as possible. Um, to kind of fill that void in people's lives who absolutely love musicals because there has been nothing for those people, especially to get involved with, but also to watch. So it was it was very well done for how, how they managed to do it. Yeah. No, yeah, I completely agree, especially when it comes to kind of filling that void in, in so many people's lives. Um, so, yeah, like I think we were talking about, I think we both thought it was really well done, but um, yeah. like generally what was, like how did you feel? Did you have like a, a favourite bit? Um, I think my favourite bit from the start when the the whole songs came out on TikTok, my favourite song was always um, I Knew I Smelled a Rat, which is the song with... Yeah, um, <laughs> it's so good. It's like a little jazzy number with like um, all the full orchestra involved. Um, and the way that it was done, the character of Chef Skinner in Ratatouzical was played uh, by a woman, which, you know, you would think, hmm, I'm not sure why, but just as uh, John Travolta playing um, playing Tracy's mum in Hairspray, just as that happened, that worked so well. And I think this was another kind of um, another kind of occasion where this just worked so well. And she did so well in that song. Um, it fitted her vocal range really well, and it just kind of gave her kind of a spice. I don't know why. I really like that song. What about you? I'm exactly the same actually but I just think that moment in kind of just like the storyline of the musical film is such like a an intense moment that um I feel like this song really matches that um but I also quite like um like Anton Ego you know his um yeah. the critic his songs I thought they're quite good um yeah. I just think he's he's quite a cool character to be honest um even if we aren't supposed to be like his number one fan I just think he's got a lot of style I remember when um like the TikTok uh, video came out and there was one um, and this guy had like put on all the makeup and like done the costume and was so in character and like still even now and um, that one really sticks out to me so I feel like I kind of going into it uh, was kind of rooting for that one. 
Yeah, I'm fairly sure that the video that you referred to there was actually the the song that got picked for the actual musical, which is by R.J. Christian, who is a, a composer, um, and he wrote a number of songs. I think he ended up making about five. Do you think there'll be more online musicals, kind of, you know, musicals that are presented in this way, either um, from scratch, again, like this, or... Um you know, maybe adaptations of, of musicals that are already kind of going on? Or do you think this is very much kind of a product of its time and actually we won't really be seeing anything like this again? I definitely think that there's going to be some more. So certain people have already actually started on a couple after this gained so much traction and gave so much to do for people who are involved in watching musicals or who are involved in being a part of them um, and composing or dancing, singing. It, it gave so many people something to do. And considering that this lockdown and, you know, it doesn't seem to be ending not just here, but also in America, I think a lot of people are still going to be trying to find something to do with their time. So I think that I wouldn't be surprised if another TikTok musical decided to rear its head on Broadway again. I think that would be, not only would it be extremely beneficial um, financially, I think also would be beneficial for everybody just as a bit of fun, just as a bit of something to do. Um, people are already throwing around the idea of having up the musical based on that Disney Pixar film. Um, and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that gained traction over the next few months and we saw that on virtual Broadway in April or May or something. I definitely wouldn't be surprised. I would I would welcome it very much. I think a lot of people who got involved in this and were excited about it would definitely want to see another one. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Up is, is such a, a good one. I remember seeing that in the, the cinema for the first time and like even now it's... Yeah, that made quite an impression on me. Is there, like, apart from Up, I guess, that we've already mentioned, but, like, if you could pick any film, Pixar or otherwise, I feel like people are, like, gravitating towards Pixar, um, or indeed, like, an actual musical musical that's kind of, you know, on Broadway or the West End or something, um, to kind of transfer onto, like, an online format, um, which would you pick? Because I've been thinking about this, and I've actually really struggled to think of one that I think could, could yeah work. it's it's difficult because of the restrictions that happen with you know with doing something online it's difficult to think what what kind of musical would be able to fit this formula in terms of the ones that are that are reasonably popular already Mamma Mia has a, a grand following on TikTok there is an entire side of TikTok dedicated simply to Mamma Mia so I, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody tried to do some kind of Mamma Mia TikTok musical um, kind of thing. I mean, personally, uh, in terms of what I would like to say, I, I have never seen Mean Girls the musical, but I've always been a big fan of the film. And I think I think that would be quite funny and I would I would definitely watch that because I've never never seen the the actual stage show. Yeah, actually, that is a really good shout because I mean, I've never seen the stage show either, but I've listened to like the soundtrack a couple of times. And actually, I think that's a really good shout. I feel like, yeah. Oh, not necessarily a Pixar film, but I wouldn't be surprised if somebody did something like Despicable Me, the musical, which Despicable Me has kind of died in popularity a little bit. But I wouldn't be surprised if that got some kind of resurgence on um, on TikTok. I, I definitely wouldn't be surprised by that because it was always, I think everybody kind of likes that film. Same as Ratatouille, same as Up. It's just one of those films where everybody likes it and nobody has much of a, an objection to it. 
yeah no definitely I completely agree also like just doing the characters I think from Despicable Me which are all like so kind of I don't know just um extreme is not the word I'm looking for but just that they're, they're so kind of they're each their own kind of thing I think it'd be really fun to to play that if you were lucky enough to be able to I mean have contributed to uh maybe like Ratatouille school in some way or indeed like maybe like up what do you think you would what kind of part do you think you'd play in it if you could um, I personally would like to have written a song or a piece for Ratatouille I think that would have been really fun um and I miss my shot I, sh- I should have it should have gone to the music room at, um at college but I I didn't but that would definitely if I could go back I would definitely write a song or do a mini overture for a section of it yeah what about you what do you think you would do because I know you're quite into your, your drama do you think you would act or maybe do you think you would take a different role I don't know I don't think I, I don't think I'll be very good at kind of doing a I'm not I'm, I don't think I'm brilliant at, at musicals um but yeah I don't know I I think it'd be quite fun to kind of like maybe choreograph like a little dance bit that uh, sort of our ensemble of, I don't know, like two or three people w- would do. I think that'd be uh, quite cool if, if I was talented enough to do that, then um, yeah, I think that would be good. But um, in terms of like the actual musical though, um, and, and less so stuff in the works, um, I mean, what like Ratatouille, the musical Ratatouille call it, what it achieved was um, like really brilliant. I mean, not just in terms of uh, giving people something to do um, and showcasing all that spectacular talent, but actually it raised a lot of money um, for, I think it was the Actors Fund, wasn't it? Yeah, the Actors Fund, which is um, a non-profit organisation that supports like struggling actors and theatres across America. Um, they've had like over $2 million being raised just through Ratatouille, like through the ticket sales, through people donating um, and it's you know it's kind of a bit more of a serious side to the whole thing but it is very important and I think to be fair it was that side of it was an unprecedented success like nobody ever thought that this one little song that was put on a a TikTok like on a TikTok video could ever have raised like over two million dollars to help people in this industry and especially when the the industry prior to COVID had been so hard hit by government cuts and then people's lack of um lack of income meant that they were not supporting theatres as much and the rise of things like Netflix and Disney Plus meant that people were not going to the cinema not going to the theatre as much as they used to it's definitely like an industry that has already had a lot of financial difficulties and has been reasonably hard hit already so for the pandemic to have happened on top of that kind of exacerbated this entire situation and and made it worse financially and there's been you know examples of places that have have been hit really hard like if take one example like the Royal Exchange Theatre in Manchester forecasted in July 2020 would have to make 65% of its full-time staff redundant and like that's one theatre in England never mind the entire arts world all over all over the globe it you know it's it's definitely been something which has had a massive which has taken a massive hit because of the pandemic so to have had Ratatouille not just as you say not just as something to do but as something to kind of boost up this industry and give it a bit more hope for the future I think was absolutely like unprecedented 
yeah no yeah definitely I don't think anyone you know when um people were kind of especially like in the early stages you know just kind of mucking around and, and having fun ever thought that um they'd raise like you know they'd help kind of contribute to that two million that that was raised and that as you said is, is kind of really important but um yeah I'm really looking forward to when theatres and you know lockdown ends and everyone can kind of go back and um you know go and see a musical as, as brilliant as as you know uh Ratatouille school was to watch online but to, and, to auditorium again yeah. you never know it might actually become a musical on broadway um in in real life when when restrictions allow that, that would be quite interesting yeah i have heard some people bandy that idea about yeah um it didn't make it into the musical obviously because it was someone talking about uh directing it but there's a tiktok video and i think there's probably a couple but one that i saw um was someone saying how they would direct ratatouille's call if it ever made it to kind of broadway or was put on in an, an actual stage um instead of kind of virtually um and they had all these really good ideas about like scale and like set design um so you know how they talk about the message of the film is um how you anyone can do anything like no matter how small or you know uh, you are and he he kind of pitched this this really interesting idea that um initially kind of the props or the set would be like really big to kind of emphasize kind of how small um you know Remy is um all kind of feels um and that we as an audience would also kind of share that same sense of kind of being out of your depth and um everything kind of being a bit big and intimidating and then as the play uh or the musical sorry uh would progress um the set would gradually become kind of smaller as uh kind of Remy kind of um I don't know assimilates and kind of becomes kind of comfortable in his own skin um I thought that was just a really interesting idea um yeah. It sounds great and to be fair it's a little bit of hope that maybe it will get put on Broadway one day if you know if, if a director's come out and said that he could has a vision for how it could go that you know it's a bit of hope that maybe that one day will actually come to fruition in real life but it's it, it's important like the whole the whole message behind it as cheesy as it really is the whole <laughs> idea that the film embodies this you know and the underdog can do anything even if it seems like what you want to do is completely out of your reach just has also been embodied by this whole TikTok musical like it was one person recording a little 15 second one verse song as a joke and has become an entire Broadway musical which has helped like hundreds if not thousands of people get back on their feet and I don't know if that's just not a kind of a message that you can do anything from your starting point then I don't know what is realistically but yeah it's it's certainly something which kind of has been in keeping with the message of the entire film and has made it so much more worthwhile so I definitely recommend that everyone tries to find the clips on TikTok um, and if you'd like you can still support the uh, the Actors Fund at actorsfund.org for slash Remy if you fancy because they still have the donations open And finally, Libby and I are bringing you an interview with art rock duo Escher, comprised of Sam Fisher, vocalist and bassist, and Ed Osborne on the guitars. We'll be discussing their success in the Dayman songwriting competition, as well as their recent album, Scary Earth. I shall ask the first question. So the first one is probably kind of obvious, but how did you come to form the band together? 
well, it it's kind of over quite a few years. Well, like we knew each other in secondary school and college. And in secondary school, Ed was in a, a few bands, which kind of changed personnel over, over the years. And then um, in year 11, recruited me to play bass. Um, and then uh, we, were, we were supposed to play in like an assembly at school, but that ended up not happening. Instead, we like stuck with the band. And then the next summer, we played at a local um, sort of fair uh, on the youth stage, Beggar's Fair, it was called. And um, we just played sort of covers of songs that we liked. Um, I wasn't singing either at that time. I was just the bassist. And then we had a few of our school friends. And then, I don't know, at, at like at the end of college, um, one of our friends sort of uh, didn't, uh, I don't, I don't know. He, Jack was doing his uh, like film music and stuff. He was like making scores, and then um, uh, the drummer Luke uh, was in the year below us, so we didn't really see much of him anyway. And then me and Ed over the pandemic kind of decided, oh uh, well, we've got all this time, and I, I sort of wanted to carry on producing music. Um, so we, we just kind of did the, did the songs that way. Yeah. I think the band had existed like in various forms for ages, but then just, it just slowly like shifted into just me and Sam making music over lockdown, I guess. So yeah, we've known each other for a while, but this, I guess, like project Escher started probably around February. Did you bring in the name Escher when you two started up together or was that one that had been with the other people as well? The name no. Escher, that was literally a, a very last minute thing. We had, when we started making music together, we had no name whatsoever. And we only gave, we only gave ourselves the name Escher because we entered the Doman songwriting competition and they needed a name for the band for that. And it, so it was literally right at the last minute, we decided to call ourselves Escher. It was quite a spur of the moment thing. Nice. Because you did really well in that, didn't you? Thank you. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we won. won. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty, really cool. We did pretty well. Um, yeah. Congrats, by the way. Um, Thank you. Thank you. So you mentioned actually a little bit how, so since February, so kind of lockdown has been a thing um, as you've been making your music together. And I was just thinking, what's kind of your creative process like? Because there's two of you, but obviously you can't really meet up um, and you can't be in the same room together. So... How do you kind of go about making your music? We just kind of um, send our own recordings to each other, like virtually, I guess. We've both got um, music softwares on our computers and we just, I don't know, Ed records guitar parts and he does more like textural sort of stuff. And then I record the vocals and the bass and then we sort of take it in turns doing drums. Nice. But yeah, and then and we just sort of send it to each other. It kind of works well because we have different kind of styles. So um, it, I, I don't know, if we were sort of together in the same room, we might be like trying to drag each other to do one thing. One person would be the authoritarian, you know, do this. Whereas we're just kind of in our own rooms 
doing our own take on the sort of demos we send each other. And so we get to, um, yeah, input each other's styles into the music. Yeah. Um, so obviously, like, that's how you come to make your music. But how did you come around specifically to make your album Scary Earth? How did that one, like, come to be? Um, I think ever since we started making music together, all the songs that we've made were on the album, basically. So there wasn't, like, a kind of decision to do the album. I think we talked, once we had about, like, four or five songs, then we started to think, like, oh, we could release these. It could be an EP or an album. It could be a collection of songs. And we just kept on writing them one by one. And we had, yeah, I think once we had about eight, we thought this is like a good a good number of songs. It's good length. We could do a kind of a short album. So it wasn't, there was no decision like, oh, we're going to write these songs with this, with this theme in mind or with, we didn't even have a band name at that point. It was just like, we'll write these songs for fun and then we'll put them into an album and release it. Do you have like a favourite song on that album? Oh, both it, of our it changes songs. all the time. Yeah. Oh, and both really... of our favourite songs are quite different. Like, um, I think mine is Blue, but which Sam wrote, but Sam wasn't a massive fan of Blue for quite I'm... a while. No, no. Well, because Blue was the first one that we did. Um, and I don't know. I, I, feel, I feel like I kind of improved um, as I went on with lyrics and singing, and I kind of just cringe at that one a little bit. My my favourite would be um, either Creature or Go Fish, I think. So do you have anything actually lined up do you, like for the future? Any other albums, like a song maybe? We've got the um, the second songwriting competition for this term, which uh, George Bone quite insistently um, got us to enter. <laughs> so, yeah, we've been doing that. We have to submit that on the 1st of February that's coming up. Oh, and I'm having to, yeah. Sam doesn't have much of his recording stuff at home at the moment. So I'm having to kind yeah. of take the lead on that one. I left it all in Dublin. Pressurised. But um, yes, I've got to do some work on that actually quite soon because <laughs> the deadline's coming up, but it's quite exciting to enter that. And then I guess, uh, like eventually we'd love to do another album. We just keep writing songs all the time and see where it goes. Yeah. Nice. Sounds fun. Um, so you talked about how you both have kind of different music tastes a little bit. Um, what would you say that your biggest music inspirations are kind of respectively that you kind of draw from and sort of put into your work? Uh, for me, um, I would say, well, my, my two favourite bands are probably Muse and Radiohead. Oh. Um, but I, I tend to be more into kind of uh, groove-based rock, uh, whereas Ed... Uh, <laughs> you're more, more into like shoegaze right yeah I like um like atmospheric shoegaze music which is is still rock based and it's still like regular song is based on regular songs but then they, the instrumentals are often like they've got a lot of effects and it takes it somewhere else but also um I think like before I was in this band I listened to a load of emo music and I really wanted to be in an emo band so I think some of my guitar playing is still a bit like it's influenced by emo bands and stuff. I think Basement is probably quite a noticeable one. Yeah, I was going to say, I did notice a bit of the influence when I listened to some of the, the songs. Um, not to get like too political or anything, because this is fairly lighthearted, but what would you say, what would be your comments on the government's response to the arts and the music industry 
from like within the uh, coronavirus pandemic? I think it's not been great to say the least. Um, like obviously we're not professional musicians and we don't make any money from it. So we haven't been like in a position where it's directly affected us, but seeing like my favorite bands having to put out GoFundMes and like start doing other stuff to kind of take care of, to, to live is quite shocking, especially with how much music is something that we've missed during the pandemic. And you see all over social media, people are saying, when we get back to normal, we can go to festivals, we can't wait to do this. And I think we have to be careful that there is still bands that can play festivals and the government haven't really done much to respond, to like support that, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> um, you mentioned kind of festivals and uh, sort of like venues and stuff. I was just wondering, um, do you have like a dream venue or like a dream festival that kind of of all the ones that you could possibly play at, that would be the one that you would? Ooh, I haven't thought about that yet. I don't think no. I think personally, um, it's not like a massive venue, but the Joiners in Southampton is like a really, really great independent venue. And I've seen quite a few bands there and a ton of great bands have played there when they were like just starting out. So I'd really love to play there. Um, and then obviously, like, I guess I'd love to play Reading and Leeds or Glastonbury, but that's a, a long way off, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In terms of Durham as well, just out of interest, are there any like local venues that you would uh, be interested in playing? I know there's not loads, but are there any that have kind of caught your eye while you've been up here? I don't really, uh, I don't really know of any yet. Uh, the time I've been in Durham has all been quite lockdowny. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> I yeah, I don't really know. Yeah, that's fair. I'd love to play like any venue, I guess, in Durham. If there's uh... Yeah, I'll try and find some more and then once we're out of lockdown, we'll play anywhere, I guess. Yeah, there's a couple of like, like interesting ones, but yeah. Um, so what would you describe, like, I'll start the question again because that's not how it's supposed to start. How would you describe your music in three words? That's quite hard, but just like give it your best shot. <laughs> um, okay, I guess... I think dreamy could be one of them because like some of the like lyrics seem a bit dreamy and then some of like the guitar playing and textural stuff seems dreamy. And I think someone wrote, uh, someone was kind enough to review our music in Palatinate and they called it dream pop. So dreamy, I think would be a good word. Yeah. I'm not sure about the other two though, Sam, over to you. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe dreamy art rock with that. Nice, that fits. Yeah, that's, no, that's nice. Yeah, and um, as I know, like trivia, um, if you had to pick between either My Chemical Romance or Arctic Monkeys to listen to one forever and not the other, which one would you listen like pick? I know Sam's a pretty big Arctic Monkeys fan. Uh, for me, quite easy. My Chemical Romance. Uh, I love Arctic Monkeys, of course, but I think My Chemical Romance. They're just like, yeah. Even though I'm out of my emo phase now, I'll, I'll still listen to My Chemical Romance occasionally. So it's got, got to be them. I would agree with that. Yeah, Arctic Monkeys for me. Yeah, same here. <laughs> um, just as like a, a final wrap up question, because um, you know we've, we've talked about a lot of things. I was just wondering of all the things that kind of you've done and um, as you've worked together, what do you think is kind of the best thing that has either come out of or your favorite thing about kind of working together? Um, and having kind of formed this this art duo, Escher. 
I don't know. Well, probably winning the first songwriting competition has been the biggest kind of success so far. Um, yeah, I, I would say that because as a result of that, we've done quite a lot of things. I don't know. We've done a few interviews. We went on the podcast, um, the Dome Man podcast. And I, I don't know. And, and yeah, we're doing this next songwriting competition as well. It does feel like a little bit from that um, we've kind of gotten into the music scene at Doem and it's snowballing a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah. The, the music competition was definitely a massive confidence booster and it like kind of made me think, oh, these aren't just uh, some songs that I've like written and me and Sam have written just as a hobby. Like people actually enjoy these and they think they're good. So this we can actually like continue with this. I think that's probably, yeah, I guess the best thing we've ever done. But not to talk up our new song, but I'm really proud of the new song that we've done for the competition that isn't finished yet. But I'm really excited about that. And I think that's also one of the best things we've done, I guess. When the uh, when the songwriting competition happens, so you said you've got to have it submitted by the 1st of Feb. But when can people hear the song? Can we hear it like literally on the 1st of Feb or is it going to take a week or something? I don't know. <laughs> should, we, should we release it as a single? I, yeah, I guess we could. Because, um, yeah, so I think... Man will like let you listen to the song to judge to vote for the winner of the songwriting competition probably quite soon after the first of Feb so you can listen to it there um or yeah I guess we should we could probably release it as a single soon yeah. after that as well yeah that'd be pretty cool I will try to have a find of it thank you okay yeah I feel like that's everything that's kind of in my mind that I what about you Libby yeah that's him for me I do have like one question but it's like not even relevant but it is kind of. This is for Ed. Do you know Lord Huron? Who? The, oh my god! Is right because when you were going on about like the space rock and all this, I was like, maybe he's heard of Lord Huron. If you haven't, you should listen to them. Um, and I don't know if you like the first two albums, but their latest album, Beadmore, is space rock with like all those special effects. They've got like theremins, everything, left, right, and center. It's very, very good. And they're really good live as well. So I recommend. I thought you may have heard of them, but they're definitely. No, that, that sounds really great. Thanks for recommending. Really I'll definitely, definitely give them a listen. Yeah, I'm a bit of a, I don't know. I like space rock too. So when you said that, I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest it, see if he knows. But yeah. If you don't, they're pretty good. And they're doing a series of online concerts at the minute. Um, and it's like you pay for a ticket. So you can get like a season ticket and watch all four, or you can buy one at a time. Um, and they're doing one in February, March and April, uh, online concerts and stuff in case anybody's interested just for a bit of like musical stuff while we kind of go to anything. And they look pretty cool. Awesome. To be fair, I think that's all my questions. I just had some informal ones, but I don't know if Catherine has... No, just to say thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. It was lovely uh, to meet you and to hear all about uh, you and your music and everything you've got coming up. And best of luck uh, in the songwriting competition, of course. Uh, and I hope you get it in for the 1st of Feb. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah, good luck. We'll have a listen. See you later. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Hi, it's Lim. I'm just popping by to say that Catherine has done an amazing job in putting today's show together. And also that I'd like to end off today's show with a song by Sophie, the musician and music producer. Because I've seen the awful news today about her death and it's just such a pity that we've lost such a visionary artist 
So Ali and yeah, I'm gonna play Immaterial by Sophie to celebrate her transcendent legacy. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio Podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.